0: Yahweh, your breath, your breath fills me, Father, to raise me up to this new day, guide me, teach me, Holy Spirit, to share this truth, knowledge, and wisdom that comes from you, Father, in your word, your guide, your road map, your instruction manual it is all here, In the Bible your word that you wrote thank you Father God for this thank you for the opportunity for them that have an ear to hear the words but to listen to what's being spoken and to seek your face in the word Father God your word truth knowledge and wisdom seek after wisdom as a man seeketh a fine, beautiful woman or a fine treasure, seek wisdom. It shall be shared with you. God does this. God provides. Abba Yahweh aman, Yeshua aman, parakitos aman. It's important to understand um And Jesus taught this, and it was given to us in the Word that you don't have certain things or not aware of certain things because you don't ask. And if you don't ask the Father, who's the provider of all things, yeah, He knows and the word tells us that he knows before you ask but he is our father, our heavenly father he's not just going to do because he's also a very polite father and there are individuals that actually get agitated and they decide that they want to do it on their own. Uh, I've shared this with you before that you have individuals that have been given phone numbers and addresses for and I'll use the air quotes that I I it looks so foolish. (laughs) But people will do that. So I'm doing it. You can't see me. I'm not really doing it, but I'm verbally telling you that they're there the self-help gurus that claim to be Christian and yet are convincing individuals that they can do things on their own. Well, you can't. And that's contrary to what the Bible tells us, that if you, we are weak, but he is strong and we have to make our weakness known to God and ask him to come and give us that strength, to guide us, to strengthen us. And if you don't ask, he's gonna be very polite about it and he's gonna sit back and wait for you to do so. He knows that you're needing the help, but you're being too stubborn to ask. And actually, if he tries to come in and do some things, people get agitated about it. And then you have, this is such a contrary plane of existence because they'll, sit on their haunches and they shake their fists at heaven complain to God because he's not doing and then they shake their fists and complain to God because he got interfered with their business and they were doing it on their own so make up your mind but see that's that white noise interference that satan puts in our heads Uh, You can do it on your own. It's so little. You don't need God's help. You don't need to talk to God about it. Oh, yes, you do. And oh, yes, you should. He's a good, good father, and he wants to help us. It doesn't matter how trivial you might think it is. He likes to help. And... You know, we we see this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, actually, is the one that comes to mind, but it's also, there's about 15 in the book of Psalms about waiting on the Lord and how the Lord helps us, guides us, teaches us, Pardon me. So I'm going to go back. <sighs> Holy Spirit just took me back here. I I was going in the direction. The Holy Spirit took me back here to Ezekiel. We're going to go visit the Valley of Dry Bones and Ezekiel prophesying against the nation of Israel. And I say against because he was putting them in their place. Why? Because God told him to. And we can find in Ezekiel, uh, will be in Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 23, actually. And this is before Ezekiel's taken out to the valley of dry bones. I shared with you briefly on that. Holy Spirit wants me to revisit, and there's a reason. But Ezekiel is prophesying against the nation of Israel, and and actually if you kind of close your eyes and you just listen to these verses, you're going to see that this is meant for many nations. This in particular is meant for this nation. And I will sanctify my great name, which is profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols, which I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. You shall dwell in the land that I give unto your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will also save you from all of your uncleanness. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field, and ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. This nation has turned its back on God. And he talks about the shepherds, which, remember, I shared with you that, that there are many titles that are given to pastors and elders uh, or the uh, leaders of a church. John writes letters to the seven churches, to the angels of the seven churches. pastors, or the primary speakers in the church, the leaders, the elders, listen to the angel of the church because that's the head guy. That's the head man. Some places in more modern times, they call them pastors or padres or preachers. But they're the angels of the church and in times gone by they were called the shepherds. But these are what I shared with you before pardon me, the hirelings. And there's a problem that Jesus had with a hireling because Jesus is the good shepherd. And he calls the sheep and they know his voice. But these hirelings, they don't call in speaking for Jesus or for our Heavenly Father. They speak much for themselves. Further, Ezekiel thirty-six and thirty-two. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God: In the day that I shall have cleansed you from all of your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the waste shall be building, and the desolate shall, and the desolate land shall be tilled whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, This land was desolate, is become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left around you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel. Do it for them, I will increase them with men like a flock, as the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem. In her solemn feast, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. The flocks, the sheep. Some people don't like that analogy, sheep. But let me tell you what, I don't mind because I know my Lord's voice and I don't mind being around others that know his voice that worship the Lord but this is the nation turned their back and this is what Israel was doing and this is why Ezekiel had to prophesy to them because they had turned their back on God shaking their fists many times they they were doing that from Back in Egypt, they complained about being in bondage. They complained about having to go where God was taken to. And they saw in their own self. And Ezekiel in verse 37, he's now taken by the spirit and taken to a valley of dry bones. Now he's prophesied that the Lord will heal the nation but then he's prophesying to them and this valley of dry bones that Ezekiel is in the midst of, it's not a little valley of dry bones What hes this is the nation of Israel and I shared this before it used to be an old saying many years ago when I was younger I heard some uh, elders around my grandfather and, and uncles Man, I'm just not sure if I have that in me to do this. My bones are just all dried out. And they took us same because they had no energy, they had no, they had no will to move and do whatever it was it was being. And I'm just, and what Ezekiel's preaching on. He was set down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And in the vision Ezekiel passed through all of them and their bones were just they were everywhere. The whole valley was full of just dry bones. And God told him to prophesy. Prophesy over the bones. Speak to the bones. Teach them. Tell them that I am speaking. And he did this thing. Remember, I shared this with you before, that anyone can be a prophet. If you are listening to the specific directions of God and he's got something specific for you to do or say, you're a prophet. It doesn't matter what the church says. It doesn't matter what any elders might tell you. It doesn't matter. The Bible tells me that a prophet is one that leans in and listens to the specific word of God and does specifically what the Holy Spirit tells them to do. That's a prophet. You listen to that. you lean in and listen. Don't make a big production of it. So Ezekiel goes to the valley of the dry bones and God tells him to prophesy over the bones so he does. And then in the vision, he does what he was told, and then there was a noise. And the valley and all the bones started shaking. The bones came together, bone to his bone. Wherever that bone belonged, it would find its way to that other part and come together. And then he said, you prophesy. To the wind, and the wind will fill them. This wind is the is the holy wind, the holy breath of God. So the bones came together, and God had told it. and the sinews came, flesh came. And as we read in 37, verse 9, and Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, Son of man, and say to the wind, Thus say the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And he prophesied as God commanded him. And the breath came into them. They stood up alive. And there was a great army. And much of this problem that was actually there Sorry, I skipped the page. In verse 11, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. What does that translate? That translates to they, they decided that they just were were out tired. They weren't going to do it. They made the decision. Just like when the spies went into the land of Canaan. And the spies saw the giants. And what did they say when they came out? We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. So, Ezekiel prophesied to them because they had our in these shepherds and all this, that they were doing the false idols and the deities and had turned her back on God as he was preaching to them in verse 36, in chapter 36. And it was prophesied to them because they had turned her back on God. And he told them, and he's telling them, and he tells us the same thing. If we come together in faith and believing, and we cry out to God for healing and redemption and repent, and the churches come together as they should, but they don't, they still haven't. That's why this nation is still trembling on quaking legs. while well, it still quakes and trembles. Because we haven't come together as one body. Haven't gathered together. And just like here, they saw themselves and have decided that our hope is lost. We're cut off for our parts. So they saw it as a done deal. They're all done. They're all tired. And they give up. They gave up. And, of course, there's some that may say that, well, it can't be helped. Well, yes, it can be helped because God is with us in all things. God will not leave us nor forsake us. We just have to decide that we want to be with God and not with these foolish men or women that claim to be something they are not. And there's something here. I'm going to share with you from the book of Proverbs. Sorry about that. I thought I had it marked. I was pretty sure I did. Sorry about that. I guess I moved the marker somewhere else to something else I was going to share with you. But in the book of Proverbs, which is full of wisdom, wisdom of Solomon, and it talks about the goodness of God, and it talks about speaking wisdom and truth, and making that, we can find it in in Proverbs 29, 2. And this is very true. It's true for this nation and many nations throughout the world, but I speak in particular for this nation. And again, let me remind you that I am both a veteran and a patriot, and I am brokenhearted to see What this country is doing to both the veterans, the elderly, the needy children, and what they're doing in the destruction of of this very nation. And how by our own leaders have turned our back on God. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. I mourn. I mourn for this nation. It breaks my heart. It truly, truly breaks my heart. But at the same time, we have to remember, brothers and sisters, that God promises always that he is with us, no matter where we go. If we're up on top of the mountain and and really, really happy. Or we're in a valley that he always goes with us. But one thing that we must always remember, must remember, and the Bible actually talks about it in a lot of places. we have to remember that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God in his authority. We find it in a number of books in the Bible, but Matthew, the one-time publican, accountant for the Romans and the Pharisees, in Matthew 7, 28, 29, and it came to pass when Jesus had entered these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes what's he talking about there what's the bible talking about well the bible is talking about now this was after jesus gave the sermon on the mountain it came down and they were astonished at his authority because he was he spoke with such and you have to remember that the pharisees and the sanhedrin they were speaking not with authority. They were speaking as if they were in charge, but the people knew that it wasn't heartfelt. They knew it. And why was it that they were so bent? Don't get your knickers in twist because I'm about to say this. Why were they so hell-bent on Jesus being destroyed? Every time he turned around, They were turning around and saying something that was going to try to get him in a trap, but they were never able to do that. But they were, definitely, they wouldn't repent. And there were some, maybe that did. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But let's talk about that authority that the Lord has. And actually gave us authority as well. Remember, I shared this with you, and it comes out of Luke. But his authority is powerful. Here's a centurion. And a centurion came to him when Jesus was in Capernaum. And it talks about, this is in uh, Matthew 8, verse 5. It starts there. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant, lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, this was a Roman centurion over many troops that recognized the authority of Jesus Christ. I am not worthy, first of all, declared that he was not worthy to have Jesus which many determined was a homeless beggar because he didn't have a house, was living in a tent most of his teaching. I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me, and I say to this man, go and he goeth and to another come and he cometh. Do this and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that were around him, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Amongst their own people, this Roman centurion recognized the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, this is really going to get your knickers twisted up for many. Too bad, so sad, it's truth. It's in the Bible. Um, you have to understand First of all, let's clarify some things so you have a complete understanding. Demons are not people that have died and didn't repent and they go to hell and now they're a demon. Well, it doesn't work that way. You have minions and then you have demonic entities that work really powerfully for the devil. Those are the angels that were cast out of heaven. With him, those are demons. Minions are those that decide that the white noise interference they keep hearing was better than the word of God. And I, I think I shared this with you the other day. I actually saw something that absolutely—I had these mini nuclear explosions going off in my brain. Is that you have these foolish people that are, I guess, are programmers or whatever they are that that do all this stuff and I can't believe that people, oh, if we found it on the internet and it's on a computer, it's gotta be true. Yeah, okay. So they put more credence in truth as it's found in Wikipedia than in Jesus Christ. That was in print, I read that, I immediately just deleted that article. I was like, man, I can't even believe that. That they actually gave more authority in the truth to Wikipedia than in Jesus Christ. And this is, I may have shared this with you before, but this is working the devil because they call him the prince of the air. And, you know, this is a tool. It was supposed to be used as that, but by his manipulation and what we have done ourselves, we have changed it into something much more. But the truth, as it's found in the Bible, is that demons are those that were cast out of heaven. And they recognize Jesus' authority. Why do they recognize it? Because they were there. They know Jesus who was from the beginning with God. They know him and he was there when they got kicked out. He saw, remember he tells us in Luke and I saw Jesus. I, I saw Satan. Jesus telling the disciples, and I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. So when he got the boot, he came smoking down, and he crashed into hell. And his demons, those that decided that they were going to follow him, they came with him. So, we're going to find this recognition from the demons in Matthew. Uh, Actually, we find it in Matthew 28. And when he was come to the other side, into the country of Gersensis, I don't know how to pronounce it, sorry about that, there we go. Sorry about that. There met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man would go that way. They were afraid of them. Nobody would go by there. And behold, they cried out. Nobody, nobody came before Jesus. Nobody blew a trumpet. Nobody announced it. Hey, everybody here in this land about. Here is Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. He's coming to preach, he's coming to share, he's coming to heal. Nobody did that, didn't need it. Nobody would go by the tombs, yet when they landed a boat, and behold, they cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Are there come hither to torment us before the time? They knew why Jesus was there. They knew his authority. They recognized his authority. They knew who he is. They definitely knew. But adversely, I'm going to go back and forth. Why do you think now you have demons that recognize authority because they were there. And then you have these arrogant, self-centered, holier-than-thou, pharisaical members of the Sanhedrin who not only the Pharisees, but now here's here's the thing. You have to know this too, is that there were some Pharisees that believed that there's something more precious going on, and that the mystery of God is much more intense than what they have been studying, and they actually had questions. They were like the, uh, they were like the two, when Jesus rose from the grave. They were like the two that were on the road to to Emmaus. There were some that were that very same. Their heart was stirred up and there was something in their heart that was pulling them. That there may be a greater mystery in God than what we are taught and what we've been told. Something greater. Those two that Jesus met on that road, they didn't recognize him because Jesus shielded their vision. So they couldn't recognize him right away. And he listened to them talk and he asked them questions. And then, of course, it was revealed when he sat down, when they invited him in and he sat down and he broke the bread and bless the wine. And they knew then said, huh, didn't we know this? Didn't our heart, weren't we not burning because of his words and what we were talking about on the road, we were on fire in our hearts. We knew it was him, but we didn't know. Now we're gonna flip over to these pharisaical tyrants, these arrogant self-centered individuals they didn't know Jesus. Now, here's something that's going to be disquieting to some. That's okay, because it's from the scriptures, it's from the word of God, and it's truth. So that's all that matters. Is that these demons, they knew his authority because they were at one time in heaven. They recognized it because they were there. And they know him to be truth. And yet the Pharisees. They only knew what they were taught. And they were of the ilk that know about God. Know about Jesus. But they didn't know him. And they decided that they were. Had much more authority. They even tried to tell Jesus that he was a prince of hell at one time, Beelzebub. They said that he cast out demons and devils by the authority of Beelzebub. Well, the problem with that is, as Jesus turned that around on him, wait a second, you're telling me that I am the prince of devils and the prince of the demons and that I am casting out the devil, by authority of the devil. Interesting. And this is when he tried to teach the Sanhedrin about, and the Pharisees, the scribes, he was trying to instruct them of the house of They didn't get it. They didn't get his parables. And I love this. We find this in Matthew 25. And he's explaining to them all these things that were going on, um, that were happening. And when he's talking to them in 25, and that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. And has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. It was the will of God that these babes that he's talking about are his disciples. They understood the parables better than these scholars did. And this is one of the other things they griped about. when they were out, we find this in Matthew 12, (laughs) pardon me, sorry about that, that it was on the Sabbath and they were out walking and the disciples hadn't eaten for a while and they got hungry so they were plucking ears of corn and right away of course, the Pharisees came running and said, op, 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 op. So Like a bunch of chickens with their chickens with their heads cut off? Yeah, that's an old saying. But if you did that, chickens had a tendency to run around until you tackled them and got ready to cook them. Almost a gross thing, but I mean, if you've ever been around a farm, you understand what I'm talking about." But this is, uh, of course, they don't make no clucking sound, but the Pharisees did. They ran, every opportunity they had, they'd be running around that way. And I could just imagine seeing them that they're moving so quick that they're trailing head pieces and all that stuff for flapping the breeze, kind of like that pervert did on stage trying to make his scarf appear that it was blowing in the wind, but there's no wind. So they're moving so quickly and they come out there and they're griping to Jesus. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. Well, here's something about that. That was a verbal thing from them. There's nothing written about that. And what is not holy about feeding and providing food or doing something good for somebody on the Sabbath day, which is what Jesus tried to explain to them. They didn't get it. And the same thing, and later on we will find here, as we find in Matthew twelve ten, is the story of the man in the withered hand. And he was going into the synagogue to teach into their synagogue, as the scripture said, because they have declared it to be theirs. It isn't, they don't call it the house of God, it's uh, their. Uh, Verse 9, And when he was departed, thence, he went into their synagogue. In other places, you see him talk about the house of God. And I think it's very essential that they have placed himself in authority. So he goes in, and he's going to teach and share. And here's this man who has a withered hand. And Jesus tells him to stretch it out and he healed it. And it was restored whole like the other. Then the Pharisees went out, held a council against him, how they might destroy him. They were so confounded. Confused by his authority. First of all, they didn't recognize authority. They just didn't get where this was coming from. And as he tried to get them many times to understand, if you knew the scripture, as you claim, you would know. But they didn't. They didn't recognize the authority. They didn't, because they had no relationship with Jesus, or with God. So they didn't recognize it. Of course they didn't. And there was a lot of verbal commands that they gave. A lot of verbal. So they were trying to exercise their authority over everyone. So it's a, it's an issue that Jesus constantly was striving against. And we, too, we're told that that's going to happen. If we go out for his name's sake and for the glory of God to testify, to worship, to share the word, and we do that for his name's sake, there are going to be those that are going to come against us. So let me ask you this question about that. Are you willing Are you able? Are you ready? Are you going to even bother to do it? Or are you going to fold? Because it's going to happen. The Bible tells us that our own family will come against. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, that's personally taking place. They constantly want to remind about the past. They don't want to see any Anything else, they're so locked into and holding on, and passing judgment about that. It tells us in the Bible that that's going to happen, that sons are going to come against fathers. Daughters are going to come against mothers. Sons-in-laws against father-in-laws. Daughter-in-laws against mother-in-laws. They're going to come, they're going to argue, they're going to point, they're going to blame, and they're going to cause a dissension. (coughs) I'm sorry, pardon me. But Jesus said that he didn't come. He's, he came that the sword is going to come from his word because that's, there's going to be dissension and things that are going to happen because there are going to be people that are going to hate what's being said. As long as you're truthful, righteous, be bold and courageous and do so only in righteousness, only in truth, only in his word. You can't be making things up. And there are individuals that do that. Ezekiel testified against the nation of Israel because their religious leaders were doing that very thing. In many instances, they turned completely against God and started worshiping idols, false deities. We see that in several occasions, actually. When Moses was taken too long up on God's holy mountain and when he came back down they were Aaron had already made them a golden idol remember that God is with us always and that he just wants to pour out his love on us On this I I love the I actually love this scripture because I think of you can obviously see a bride and a groom. You know when you're in a vicinity of place and they're you know, goodness gracious, how can you not tell? he's usually usually in a tuxedo and she's got the gown and there might be a small entourage with him. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. It's obvious what is happening. So let's be like that, brothers and sisters. And we have to remember that Jesus has shared authority with us and that he has given us authority. And remember this. We we have to remember and hold on to that authority. And that authority is given us by the King of Kings and the Lord of lords, who loves us and is with us always, brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out, am I coming in? be blessed.